Go ahead and find your seats. We'll go ahead and I'll let people kind of make their way in. I know we're um, excited to have you guys here tonight. It's, um, it's worth the time, right? He's worth the time. So uh, if you did not get, well, just a couple of housekeeping things. If you did not get a card, or a 3x5 card or a nail as you were coming in, um, take a minute and get that. We'll take a minute and just... Um, in fact, in fact, Ethan, if you want to, even though I told you to do this, um, if you want to bring the lights back up to the music mode just for a minute so we can um, get a little housekeeping done, right? And people kind of know what's going on. There we go. Thank you. So if, um, if you need a, you, everybody needs a nail, everybody needs a card. I'm just going to tell you, oh, I can't walk away from here like I normally can. Sorry. Um, what's going to happen at, towards the end of our time together you will have a chance to nail your card to a cross that will be on the ground. There'll be a couple crosses up here at the end, and, and you say, "Well, what's on the card?" Well, the card is what's on the card is whatever you put on it between now and then. Um, and so, um, our heart tonight would be that we would give you opportunity to do something we don't often we don't do often enough. And that is to just make time to reflect on the cross of Jesus Christ, on everything that symbolizes for the world, but also for you. So, so when there's an awkward silence, that's on purpose. When there's something on the screen, that's there for you to just reflect on. When they're singing songs, let those lyrics just wash over you. When you're hearing the reading, let it speak to your heart. But most of all, just let the Holy Spirit search you. Like just make some time to say, Lord, what is it that I'm still holding on to? That you died to take from me. And then at the end today, when you're hearing those hammers hit the heads of those nails on those crosses that are on the floor, um, let that sink in a little bit. Like, as the nails are going into the wood, let that noise, like, sink into your soul. Right? Because all of us put Christ on that cross. But he went willingly. What you're going to hear tonight is you're going to hear about the last seven sayings of Christ. And they are, Father, forgive me, for they know not what they do. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Woman, here is your son. Here is your mother. And then maybe the best known ones. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst, it is finished, and Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And as you're hearing those sayings read, I, I want you to think about what has already happened at this point in our Savior's life. He has been in the upper room with his disciples, he has washed their feet, including Judas's. When they get done celebrating the Passover, they leave the upper room and they cross the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane where he prays three times, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of wrath pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. He's then arrested, betrayed by a friend with a kiss. He's dragged back into Jerusalem where he is tried in a made-up trial about made-up charges. He is beaten. He is mocked. The crowds that just a few days before were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord are now saying, crucify him, crucify him. He gets stripped naked 
and whipped so badly you would not have recognized him. And then he's asked, told, to carry his cross to the place of his execution. He hangs there for several hours. The longer he's on that cross, the harder and harder it is for our Savior to catch a breath. He would literally have to push himself up on his broken feet, or his, his pierced feet, so that he could just fill his lungs with air. Why do I share that? Because it seems to me if it's that hard to take a breath, the last words that come out of your mouth that you're going to use that breath for must really matter. So as you're hearing these last words he spoke from that cross, think about the fact that it mattered to him. But guys, here's the thing. Don't feel sorry for him. He went willingly. He said multiple times, I could stop this from happening anytime I wanted. In fact, when they come to arrest him, all he says to them is, I am. And they fall flat before him. Don't feel sorry for him. Be sorry for you. Be sorry for me. Be sorry for the world that made that happen because of our rebellion. See, he could save himself anytime he wanted to. But in saving himself, he could save no one else. So he went willingly. And that's what makes the cross so amazingly precious. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever would believe in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. Because God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's why we're here tonight. Because that happened on his cross. Pray with me. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the mystery of your plan of salvation, that before the foundation of the world, you knew the cross was coming. You knew where the rebellion was going to occur. You knew what it was going to take to redeem back our rebellious hearts. You knew it all. That's what makes your grace so amazing. That's what makes your love so astounding. That's what makes the cross so magnificent. You knew it all. And yet, to show us what grace looks like, what mercy is, how love redeems, You came. You lived the life we could not live in perfection, always pleasing to your Father so that you might die the death we deserve. Lord, I want to pray tonight that that the parts of us that are not yet dead to sin, you would crucify. For it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. This life I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what your word promises to all who believe. So those tonight who the thing they need to put on the cross is their whole lives, because they have yet to give themselves to you. Lord, I pray that tonight would be the night of their new birth whether they're here in person or online or in some other church where they're hearing the gospel, Lord, I pray that tonight souls would be redeemed from the pit of hell. For those of us who do know 
what your cross has done for us, but still struggle to let go of what we want. Lord, I pray that that tonight would just be the space that you have created for your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would search us tonight. Know our thoughts. Try us. Know our anxious thoughts, your word says. Point out anything in us that offends you tonight. And let us put it on your cross. And watch you annihilate it. Speak. Holy Spirit, speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus 
first word. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23, 33 to 35. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. Oh, Jesus. As we reflect on this first word you spoke, we think of those who put you on that cross. They had no idea that your death would not be the end of your influence, but only the beginning. They never could have imagined that you would be raised triumphant, having defeated sin and death. They would never have believed that before long, your name would be proclaimed throughout the world as Savior and Lord. Those who wanted to put you on a cross to end your influence would have been astounded to know that someday images of your cross would be found on every continent in the world, gloriously proclaiming your victory over the powers of darkness. As you prayed for their forgiveness, Jesus, those who were killing you didn't realize that you were dying so that they themselves might be forgiven. You could not have sa you could have saved yourself, but in saving yourself, you could save no one else. And though we were not there on that day, our sin put you on that cross. All praise to you, Lord Jesus, for bearing our sin upon your cross so that we might be as one forgiven of God. What can we offer you in response but our gratitude, our worship, our love, and our lives in service to you? You deserve it all, Lord all that we have and that all that we are lord help us to forgive others as you forgive us amen Why? 
were my nails, that was my crown that pierced your hands and your brow. Those were my thorns, those were my scorns, those were my tears that fell down. And just as you said it would be, you did it all for me. took my shame, my blame on my cross. Second word. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 39 through 43. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Nothing suggests that the man to whom you offered hope had much to deserve your favor. He hadn't followed you. He hadn't left everything behind to be your disciple. He wasn't suffering for the sake of righteousness, but because of his crimes. Even he admitted that he had been justly condemned. Did he know who you really were? Did he even realize what he was asking you? He seems simply to be a dying man making a desperate plea. Jesus, remember me. But perhaps Holy Spirit had revealed the truth of the glory of you to him in his most desperate of moments. And Lord, we are not much different from the one who cried out to you in desperation. Perhaps we don't always realize our sorry state and our need for your grace. We often live as if we are in control. We might even believe we are yours because we deserve you more than those people. But in truth, we have nothing to offer you except our simple childlike faith, our trust that you can save us, and our fervent belief in the truth that your mercy outweighs our sin. Oh, dear Jesus, remember us. Remember us when you come into your kingdom and when your kingdom comes. Amen. the call 
took my shame by blame on my cross. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount i know nothing but the blood of jesus woman behold your son son behold your mother john 19 verses 25 through 27 but standing by the cross of jesus were his mother and his mother's sister mary the wife of clopas and mary magdalene when jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby he said to his mother woman behold your son then he said to the disciple behold your mother and from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. Jesus, here at the foot of your cross, in the midst of injustice, inhumanity, and incomprehensible brutality, is a mother remaining near her beloved child. Even when what she was seeing must have pierced her heart with unspeakable grief, we see a son caring for his mother in his last minutes of life making sure she will be in good hands after his death. Even if Mary somehow understood that this was all part of God's plan, her utter anguish in watching her son suffer must have been almost unbearable. But she remained there at your feet because she loved you. The person of Mary draws us in. Her passion engages our hearts. Seeing through her eyes, we realize just how much pain was present in that moment and all that you sacrificed for her, for us, and for all of humanity. And it makes us love you more and more. So Lord, though we cannot literally come to the foot of your cross, nevertheless, we sit at your feet now, utterly horrified, utterly grieved, utterly humbled, utterly grateful, and utterly filled with love for you. And when we see how lovingly you cared for and treated your mother, it is a tender reminder of your never-ending love for us. Amen. Thank you. 
The fourth word, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mark 15, 33 and 34. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus used the first verse of Psalm 22 to invite us to consider your cry. Why have you forsaken me? Before you took our sin upon yourself, you'd never known what separation from the Father was like. Yet on the cross, you suffered far worse than unbearable physical pain. You received what sin deserves, separation from God. All the sins of the world were placed upon you. And because of God's holiness, righteousness, and justice, for the only time in your eternal existence, the Father turned his face away from you. And you were left alone. You chose to be rejected by the Father so that we might be accepted. Here's the wonder of grace revealed, the sinless Son of God becoming sin on our behalf and being forsaken by the Father. Dear Lord, you didn't deserve what you experienced on that cross. You didn't, but we did. We deserve the cross. We earn the rejection you received from God. But in your unfathomable love, you took our place and gave us your place. You died our death so that we might live your life. You had to be forsaken so that we could be forgiven and never be forgotten. Amen.
Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. shame is gone. I stand amazed in your love undeniable. Your grace goes on and on and I will sing of your goodness forevermore. Worthy is your name, fifth word I thirst John 19 28 after this Jesus knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the scripture I thirst oh Jesus your request makes perfect sense given all that you had endured no doubt your thirst was burning bitterly and as John points out in his gospel, your request enabled the fulfillment of the psalm that spoke of vinegar being offered to the one drowning in sorrow. Your first miracle in the gospel of John involves water into wine, providing refreshment for many at the wedding. And then there was a conversation that you had with the Samaritan woman after you had asked her for a drink. You told her that you were the living water that quenched all thirst. Not long afterward, you invited all who thirst to come to you and drink. Now on the cross, you were thirsty. You had the power to turn water into wine, but you chose not to quench your own thirst. You, who offered fresh living water, chose to drink the rancid vinegar of death instead. You, who invited the thirst, thirsty to come, now suffered from severe dehydration on behalf of those denying their own thirst. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being thirsty so that we might be satisfied. Thank you for sipping sparingly that we might drink deeply. Thank you for being emptied so that we might be filled. Thank you for dying so that we might live through you by drinking from your fountain of living water, which cost us nothing, for you paid everything. Amen. Precious blood has left me forgiven. Pure and like the whitest of snow Powerful to make sin and shame retreat His covenant is making me whole So I will rise and lift my head For by His 
Sixth word, it is finished. John 19.30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We wonder, Lord Jesus, how you said these words, it is finished. We expect that at least in part, you spoke in exhausted relief, sensing that your body was about to expire. Your time of torture had almost ended. In just a few more moments, your pain would be over, finished. You knew you had done what the Father had called you to accomplish. You knew you had been obedient to him, and you knew that you had finished your task. It is finished. This means nothing else is required. The transaction was completed and the price fully paid. You had borne the guilt of all humankind. You had erased the stain of sin. You had crushed the head of the serpent. You did not say, I am finished, but instead, it is finished. And the it is the grand work of redemption that was planned from before our rebellion ever occurred. You had put this moment in motion before you even spoke creation into existence. There is no way we can fully grasp what it is finished meant to you, Lord. But we can feel relieved for the fact that your suffering was over. And more importantly, we can be astounded by your faithful obedience to the Father on our behalf. But most of all, we can marvel with overwhelming gratitude at what you did on the cross for us. Because you finished all the work on the cross, dear Jesus, our new life of walking in gospel glory can begin. Amen. The story old that has often been told of how our Savior died as they nailed his hands, he cried, They don't understand as the blood. Flowed from his side. 
Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus called out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said his said this, he breathed his last. As we reflect upon this final word of Jesus from the cross, we're struck, gracious Father, by the fact that this should be the prayer of our souls too. To be sure, our situation is far from that of your son hanging on the cross, but even still, at the end of all our striving, all our thinking, all our efforts, all our attempts to figure everything out on our own, all our time walking in our own will, all our deeds, both good and bad, what do we have left to cling to but you? How can we possibly doubt your love for us when we look at the cross of Christ? Where else can we turn but to the creator of our souls? And whom can we fully trust beside the one who gave himself fully for us? Heavenly Father, we bring our rebellious hearts to you and fully trust that we find your full forgiveness and our complete redemption at the cross of Jesus Christ.
was a long journey from a stable in Bethlehem to a man who was pointed out, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, to the Lamb seated on the throne. And that journey went through a cross. So I just want to invite you to take the next few minutes to participate in that story. There's some hammers up here. You have a nail and a card. There are some communion stations in the back. Um, there are three tables. If you would like to take communion, you are certainly welcome to do that. You can take it by yourself. If you would like a, an elder to lead you through that, there will be some elders in the back, and they'd be happy to pray with you. Um, if you just need prayer tonight. We would like to make that available as well. When we're done with the nailing, if you, when you're done if, and taking communion, if you would just return to your seats and continue in an attitude of just reflection on what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And then when we're all done, we'll go outside together and we will watch those sins taken off the cross annihilated because that's what the cross does. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to not just hear the gospel story, but to actually be participants in it, because that's the point of the story. The point of the gospel is redemption and restoration. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. So let even our simple acts of nailing a nail or taking communion or asking for prayer or just sitting and being still, let those things remind us that we have been invited have been invited 
into your presence. The only way we could be. Because you took our place on this cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I was reminded just today, actually, that um, crucified people were never buried. They were just taken, they were, they were allowed to hang there until 
most of them was gone. And then they were just pulled off and usually thrown in a pit. They weren't given the privilege of being buried. Except two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who had been following Jesus really from the beginning, from a distance, came that night and took him and put him in a tomb. It makes you wonder. Because there, there is nobody beyond the grace of God. And there is nobody who doesn't need it. The teacher of Israel, Nicodemus, needed God's grace. And he came to know it. So have you. Have you. We're going to go outside in just a minute and we'll circle around a table out there and we'll sing a hymn and we'll be done for the evening. But guys, don't let the evening pass the invitation of the cross is to step into that moment where you say I need you but guys that's not just a one time step I mean it is for salvation but for the rest of our lives until he returns it is that process of keeping the cross in front of us. As we just continue to stumble forward into it. So I would ask you between now and when we gather together to celebrate the resurrection, just keep the cross before you. Not in sorrow, but in power. Because you know what's coming. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness could come through the law, if righteousness could come from doing good things, then Christ died for nothing. I don't believe, and I don't, I believe, I don't believe you believe, that God would put his son through what we just walked through for nothing. He did it to save all who would believe. And when he does it, he finishes the job. So let's go see what that looks like together.